Today's episode is brought to you by The Lab Consulting. The Lab was formed by former Amazon category and marketplace leaders who apply their blueprint from working with over 20,000 brands in Amazon to help ambitious brands accelerate their e-commerce growth. Learn more at thelabconsult.com. Welcome to the Think Like Amazon podcast, the show where I sit down with former Amazon executives to discuss Amazon's unique principles and processes and tease out how you can apply them to grow and manage your business. I'm Tyler Wallace, a seven-year former Amazonian, current brand consultant, and your host as we learn to think like Amazon. Welcome to the Think Like Amazon podcast. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Alejandro Bethlen to the show. After a successful marketing career at Procter & Gamble, Alejandro spent eight years in global leadership roles across Amazon. During this time, Alejandro led category retail teams for computers and musical instruments in the U.S. before serving as the chief of staff for the CEO of Amazon Germany and then running Amazon's last mile delivery service across Europe. Alejandro left Amazon mid-2020 to fill the role of CEO at The Books, a company that has been disrupting the e-commerce floral delivery space for the last several years. Alejandro, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tyler. Good to be here. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your work at Amazon? Uh, I started at Amazon in 2012. You know, I was looking at as many of us that went to Amazon for something dynamic and fast-paced and definitely got that. I think my first role, as you mentioned, was in the hardline computer sector, PCs and IT, as we called it internally. And again, I don't think I could have asked for a better training ground for that phase of my career. And then right around 2020, I left for almost the same reason I left Procter & Gamble. I felt that it was at such a size that you were spending much more time internally focused than you were externally and was looking for something a little bit more nimble, fast-paced, building the airplane as you fly, I like to call it. And that's how I made the decision to join the books. Certainly something that I've heard in talking with a few others, getting back into more of that building phase outside of Amazon in a different capacity. I'd like to talk a little bit about one aspect of Amazon. So Amazon has a peculiar approach to organizing resources, utilizing separable, single-threaded leadership. And having held several general manager roles at Amazon yourself, can you tell us a little bit more about that concept and how you saw it play out in practice? Yeah, I think single-threaded owner is the way to bring all decisions into one clear area that somebody can own. And so as you find in a lot of companies, as you get bigger and bigger, you start getting into what's called decision overlap, where several different functions, several different roles may think that they have a decision right over a certain decision. So the single-threaded leader concept is to bring crystal clear clarity as to who owns the decisions in a given category, in a given project, whatever it may be. So like a category leader, the general manager of a division at Amazon, something like PCs or musical instruments or audio and accessories, is the single-threaded leader for all those decisions. And I just think that when companies start to get more matrix, that type of clarity really helps you and enables you to continue to go fast. So in the example you shared there of being the leader of the musical instruments category, you were operating like a CEO of that business, even though it was just one small part of the overall Amazon business. Can you tell me a little bit more? Does this idea of single threaded leaders apply mostly to general manager roles like the one you held? Or is it something that's pervasive across a lot of different levels within Amazon? 
I would tell you that the philosophy is throughout the company. The best run organizations within Amazon are ones that push decision rights down. They clearly lay out what your decision rights are within a specific part of the business and push those decision rights down. That by far are the most well-run organizations that can move the fastest. However, I think verbalize a single-threaded leader, it tended to be more at the, let's call it management executive level, where they want to make sure that you can go fast in a bigger business on a daily, weekly basis. And so to me, there's many, many areas within Amazon that are like that. However, I think the category leaderships are the best examples of what that looks like, right? Because within that, you have several different functions that can impact your division. But at the end of the day, you own the business unit, you own the P&L, and you're making the decisions to make sure you're delivering that P&L. Right? And I think that that's what makes you go faster. Can you expound a little bit on why you think that decisions are made faster with a structure? Let me show examples of the contrary. In businesses where there's not a clear delineation of ownership over a certain decision, I've been in situations where you're presenting different six-pagers to different parts of the organization trying to align on a decision. And so you may have three or four people that have decision overlap and think they own a decision or could be impacted. And you could spend several, several, several months trying to come up with a decision on a specific problem. You know, and the stereotype is that you need to make a decision on something. You write a six-pager over a two, three-week period. You go to get on the other executive's calendar, and that could be a month out to get on the calendar. Then there's not an agreement in the meeting about the data or the decision point or so forth, and you have to bring somebody else in, and that's another month, two months out. When you have a single-threaded leader that's articulated as such, you don't have to deal with that. You can make the decision. You own the decision. You're responsible and accountable for the decision, but you make the decision. And so I've seen it at play at Amazon very clearly when there is an articulated single-threaded leader and when there's not. And the pain differential can be quite substantial when there's not a clearly articulated single-threaded leader. Sounds like it provides a lot of clarity in terms of who's the one that has that final decision right to move forward. Exactly. Can you give us an example of a type of decision that would be pushed down to be you and your role in category as a single-threaded owner that maybe another company wouldn't have pushed down to that role or that level? Yeah, I think a, a pause in a large relationship. You know, uh, there's been times when we've had difficult relationships in a category that I'm leading. There are relationships which for that specific industry are hugely important. And that was well within the category leader's role to decide how to manage that relationship, if to pause that relationship until certain roadblocks that you were facing with that relationship could be overcome. Uh, where I think in other companies that very likely would have escalated into a lot higher levels of leadership to get alignment. That to me would be one of the more potentially contentious decisions that at Amazon, they allow the, the category leaders to, to own. And when you say pausing a relationship, I, I assume you're referring to a vendor or a seller on Amazon in that within your category. And so it's making that decision that, hey, we're going to pause ordering from this supplier, whereas in another company that would have to be bubbled up and a decision made at a higher level or with more stakeholders involved. Yeah. And usually I would say more on the, on the vendor side than on the seller side. But yes, on the vendor side, 
you know, if there's a terms issue where you're not aligning on terms uh, of the contract, where you're not aligning on competitive aspects of the contract and so forth, you're responsible at the end of the day if you want to sell this product or not. And what I would say is you're also accountable even after your decision for ensuring you hit your numbers. But I do think that in many companies that would go much higher up. Yeah. Are there maybe some trade-offs that you believe a company or organization makes when adopting a single-threaded leadership model? Yeah, you better have really good training and really high quality of staff because if you don't have the right bar of hires or right quality of people and people whose judgment you trust, you've now permeated throughout the organization potentially disastrous decision-making. And so I think as a senior leader, you need to look around you, look at your leadership team and ask yourself, do I trust this team? If you trust that team, I truly believe one of the few ways you can actually scale quickly is by delegating decision authority. And at times that does mean not agreeing with a decision and biting your tongue. So that's something I face uh, in the current company. When if you want to put that into practice in a smaller company, by the same token, you've got to hold them accountable for the end results and let them make decisions that you may not 100% agree with. Autonomy is one of the words that's coming to mind as you're sharing a bit more about this structure. And really, you're giving autonomy to those within the organization that you might be leading to make those decisions on their own, trusting them. I imagine that also makes them feel like they have trust in you as their leader in giving that autonomy. One of Amazon's leadership principles, as you know, is earn trust. Maybe tell us a little bit more. How do you see this organizational structure of single-threaded teams or single-threaded leaders to integrate or interplay with the earn trust principle? I, I do think it's important. I think it's very easy with that type of, for lack of a better term, power or decision power to make sure that you're clearly bringing people along and helping them understand why you're making the decisions you're making. There's always going to be impacted parties. And so I think from an earned trust perspective, the way you're not going to earn trust is make the decisions and let people know, look, I'm the one that owes the decision. I'm going to do it my way. So I think that frequent and often proactive communication is critically important. And I think that's something that I've tried to do and I've seen a lot of good leaders do is that, is bring people along for the ride and explain to them what the situations are why you're making the decisions that you're making and that you understand that it may impact different teams based on the decision that you're making. And I think that being clear, being matter of fact, being transparent is is one of the key components that's going to allow you to earn trust with teams. I want to talk a little bit, Alejandro, about some of your later roles at Amazon. You've talked a bit about your time as a category leader and how you saw this principle in action in that capacity. Your last role at Amazon, you were managing the last mile delivery program in Europe. A little bit different, I assume, than a category leader in a retail role. Did you still see this structure of single-threaded, separable ownership within that program and within the operations org? Or do you feel like it was something that was concentrated more in retail? I think retail had figured it out the best because of it had been doing it and it had been under the category leadership structure for quite a while. So I think the single-threaded leadership way of looking at things within the category leader model was the best example at Amazon from a retail perspective. In operations, there was pockets where it was very well done and pockets where it was still very matrixed and not clear. And I think that That was because of how many different parties were. So if you think about Amazon Flex, it was rather new. Amazon Flex at the time that I started was probably three years old. 
maybe two years old in Europe. And so they were still trying to find a place of where the decision's ownership lay in those in those perspectives. So, And that was actually one of the causes of bigger stress and friction was that lack of clarity. And what, what caused a lot of inefficient meetings to discuss different components, how to make a decision, how to do it, who's responsible and accountable for the decisions, and so forth. So if you think about it, a lot of companies do something called PACE or RACI for projects, for specific work streams. At Amazon, we tended to use a single-threaded leadership model much more on, on static organizations, much more than on single decisions or single work streams within an organization. And so I think that that's another place where they could bring the single-threaded leadership concept even more to the forefront is by doing it not just at the organizational structure, but at the specific work stream structure, aligning on that before you go make a decision or, or do a project or do an analysis. So where I have seen it, like a Procter & Gamble, a Procter & Gamble wasn't great at having an organization with a leader called the, the single threaded leader, but they were very good within analysis or decisions that needed to be made to articulate who was the owner of that decision. And I think that that's something Amazon still has an opportunity to bring more into the forefront was on an individual uh, work streams. So a good example may be making a decision in operations that's going to impact several divisions within operations, right? You don't need to make the decision of who's a single threaded leader in operations is that's too complicated, but you can say, okay, for this specific decision, this is the person that's going to own the decision once the analysis is done. And I don't think at Amazon, we did that enough at that specific decision uh, level to, to bring clarity to that. Do you believe that organizations can go from maybe a non-single threaded decision-making process to adopting that? And who would ideally own implementing a more single threaded process for that decision-making? Yeah, that's a great question. It depends, right? I'm going to go off the basis that not having a single threaded leader is making the organization less efficient and is causing issues into moving fast and scaling. So that was what I stepped into in my role at the books. Under that construct, I think you can do it and should do it, but it, it requires a lot of trust on your leadership team and your leadership team of you. So if you're going to sit there and tell people like, okay, we're going to reorganize instead of the CEO being the only decision maker, now we're going to have four general managers that each is going to have decision rights. You also have to be comfortable that when they're making decisions that you don't fully agree with, you're not changing and second guessing every single decision. If not, you haven't really changed anything. You've reshuffled the chairs, but you're still making all the decisions and that causes a bottleneck, first of all. Second of all, I think that if you're always second guessing everybody's decisions, it ends up being a, a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy where they don't want to make decisions because they're nervous of what you're going to say about their decisions. So they end up bringing the decisions to you anyway. And it's not a simple thing, but I've seen it in action, how it can really slow organizations down and, and vice versa, how it can significantly speed up organizations, because instead of having one person making decisions, now you have eight, you have 10, 12, whatever it may be. Yeah. Can you tell us about a time, Alejandro, when you saw a decision firsthand that didn't follow the single threaded leader process? And in, at least in hindsight, you think that it would have been more efficient to have adopted that process? 
Yeah, and actually a concept we haven't brought up that I also think really is important to consider as we're talking about pushing decision rights down and single-threaded leadership also has to do with one-way doors and two-way doors. And so to me, if a decision is a one-way door, so a decision that is hard to reverse, that once you've made it, you have to stick with it, I think there should be more friction, more inefficiency. Those are the big decisions. Like, for example, Amazon launching a phone. That's a pretty big decision. That's a decision that once you've launched, you can't just erase it and go away, or at least not easily, as we learned at Amazon. And so to me, those need more friction. Those need more alignment amongst leadership team. And, and I could tell you that Bezos was probably involved in a large percentage of those decisions. And then you have what's called the two-way door, things that can be easily fixed if the decision is wrong. And those are the decisions that you want to push down and specifically further down to the organization for them to make the decision quickly. So a good analogy, a good story. I was at Amazon probably one or two weeks and I was in one of my first meetings and they were presenting a new way to structure one of the portions of the website and PC. And I remember saying, well, that doesn't make sense. Like from a customer perspective, it would make more sense to put this on the left side and change this and put it on the right side. My one-up manager says, great idea. We should do that. We leave the meeting. 30 minutes later, one of the people that reports to me comes up and goes, hey, Alejandro, do you want to look at the website? And I'm like, sure. Why? He's like, oh, I made the change. And so I get up from my desk to go to her desk. And she says, no, 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 it's live. And coming from Procter & Gamble, I'm like, what do you mean it's live? Like, has, has legal looked at it? Have we gotten the claims signed off on? Have we done a QA and beta test. Like, so what my manager at that time told me was, hey, look, if it was wrong, we just undo it. It's two seconds. Why are we going to do all that testing for weeks if it's something we can reverse so easily? And so that's, I think, a mindset as well. There is a single-threaded leadership, but you also have to make sure that you're understanding what are the decisions that you're delegating down. You know, I think I'm making this up, but if you are going to decide if you're going to exit the PC market, that I think is a decision that has to go above a single threaded leader because it has significant downstream impact to several divisions. And so I do think that that's a second lens you need to use as we filter through this is the one-way door, two-way door and the single threaded leader concept. One of the difficulties you have in Europe is you can say that a, a country manager, quote unquote, is a single threaded leader for that country. And that may be true 90% of the time. But at the end of the day, they're so integrated with other countries in Europe that decisions you make in one can impact others. And in those decisions, that 10% that overlaps over various countries, it can be very painful to try to make a decision because it's not clear on who owns that decision. Uh, so that's one of the areas that was painful. And also on the last model on Amazon Flex, if you think about it, there's a software component to it. It's a single software for all countries. It's in Asia, Europe, uh, and North America. And so then who owns making a decision when the needs of the countries are different, when you have one solution, uh, where you have one policy, one set of standards. And so that becomes really tricky. You know, and then you can argue of those decisions, which are one way and two way, but that becomes tricky and there's a lot of friction and a lot of uh, inefficiency in making those decisions.
Thanks for sharing those examples. From my time at Amazon, I also heard that with the single-threaded ownership process, it also can help make sure that the most important goals, the most important programs and launches have enough resources. This idea that if something is important to get out the door and important for our customers, and you have somebody only spending 20% of their time leading that as a project with other competing priorities, that that can get in the way Yeah, and and that's uh, hopefully this isn't a bad word, a a bastardization of the concept of single-threaded leader. A single-threaded leader isn't somebody who's using 10% of their free time to do something. Single-threaded leader means that that's all they do. And 100%, I agree with you that any manager or any single-threaded leader is only going to step into that role if they look at the resources that they have from a headcount and monetary, look at the goals that they have to achieve. And there's a match between those two things, the inputs and the output. But single thread leaders should not be used on, you know, hey, this person's going to give 20% of their time to this. That undermines the whole process. That's a great point. I think that to me, this is something that distinguishes this approach as it's talked about and used at Amazon from maybe what some of the other tech companies have incorporated at points in their history in in terms of the 10% or 20% time to work on something. That would not be a good example of single-threaded ownership. We're not talking about experimental or wandering. We're talking about very deliberate focus and resource allocation for a program or process. 100%. To me, that's a completely different concept. Go find something you love. It may work. It may not work. So what you're trying to solve for there is a little bit different. The single-threaded leader is something you put on your most important, critical, have-to-deliver priorities. And so very different. And so to me, if you tell me how important is it that this category launch, this project launch, this whatever it may be. So for example, when you think of PillPack, that had a single-threaded leader. When you think of Prime Now, all these type of things before they launched, that had a single-threaded leader. These are big, hairy strategic priorities. Would you want to delegate that 10% to somebody who had time or may not have time? Or No, not at all. You want them to live and breathe only that. And to me, the single-threaded leader at Amazon is that concept, not the 10, 20%. Now, Again, as, as happens, it's, it's trickled down into different parts of the organization where they use it as a 10, 20%. But it's never meant to be if you have time, when you have time, passion project. It's, it's a very different concept. And I think that that's likely why single-threaded ownership is often used in conjunction with this word separable, in that it's separate from the rest of somebody's job. It's not something that is an add-on. It's something that's a single focus. Alejandro, fast forwarding now, you've now obviously left Amazon. You're at the helm of the books. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you have thought about implementing or how you have used this idea of single-threaded separable ownership in how you lead an organization outside of Amazon and and where you've seen this in the past? Yeah, I mean, one of the first things that uh, I did probably 90 days in was create a GM category leadership type structure in the different parts of the business to drive that decision-making rights down. So before I did this, within the 90 days, I realized that almost all decisions were rolling up to the CEO because the CEO was the only one that owned the entire P&L. Every other function was owning a portion of the P&L. And so I divided up four core parts of the business 
into the category leadership model with resources for each of them, budgets for each of them, and full P&L ownership for each of them. And that's allowed them to run much faster and make decisions much faster than we would have before. And also put more focus. One of the things is if you have a very big portion of a category and a very small portion of a category, the fires of the big portion are going to eat up the bandwidth of everybody in that team. And so what ends up happening, it's very hard to make forward progress on that smaller portion of the category, even if it's strategically important and even if it has the potential to be high growth. And so that's another reason I wanted to divide up is that the core business has very different dynamics and very different issues, but bigger fires constantly than a lot of the smaller businesses that we weren't dedicating time and resources to. By separating, it allows the GM of each one, the category leader of each one to dedicate 100% of their time just on that, on improving that. So that was one of the things that uh, I instituted was that bringing it from an Amazon perspective. And then the concept of one-way door and two-way doors. And I would say the concept of the two pizza teams, though even smaller. So probably a one pizza team where I I broke off a couple of resources to do things that were going to take a little longer, but that I needed for us to look at. So international and retail. So uh, I didn't want to wait two, three years to get started. So I broke off two person teams. So if, if each person ate a full pizza, they were two pizza teams and broke them off to start laying the groundwork for launches that I needed in both those categories. Great examples. I love the interweaving of the two pizza team concept as well. One of the things that I think has come across in in several of your examples, Alejandro, is that it's important at the top of an organization, identify from a strategic perspective where you're going to institute single-threaded owners. Uh, You gave a great example of the big categories and the small categories at the books as an example there. What advice do you have for listeners many of whom are managing teams or businesses on how to think about organizing ownership structures for their own business? Yeah, I think it really depends on the goals that you're trying to hit short and midterm. I think that um, if you're very short-sighted, you are going to forget the smaller, slower burning pieces that could end up being big pieces of your business in the future. And so to me, it's looking at the goals, looking at what you're trying to achieve, depending on your level, right? So like if if you're going to be a year in a category, you're obviously going to be more focused in that year. But as a general manager, looking at the one to five year out and making sure that you have the right organizational structure, if you have a category that's 10% today and it's going to be 12% at the end of the year, you'd say, oh, let's not dedicate too much resources to that. But if that category needs to be 50% of your sales in five years, it's going to change significantly how you organize the resources around that. There was a guy named Larry Bossidy who was the CEO of Allied Signal. It was a a company, I believe Honeywell bought some time back. But he, he used to say that, you know, that the most important decisions he made was at the beginning of the year of where to allocate headcount and money how to allocate the resources. And I think that people underestimate the power of organizational structure and clear lines of ownership. And so I would say that I probably spend 10, 15% of my time thinking about that. Am I organized correctly? Am I organized correctly? Do I have the right leaders in place? Do I have clarity on the goals of each team? Can I make sure that I'm removing any decision overlap where there's confusion? And so I think that that has a lot of power and people don't spend enough time doing that and thinking about that. 
Thank you, Alejandro, for going deep with us on this concept of single-threaded teams. We've talked about a lot of other concepts like the one-way, two-way door decision, two pizza teams, and the strategic leadership in thinking about where to implement an approach like this for long-term growth of a company. It's been super great having you here on the show. Where can listeners follow you or learn more about the books? The books, obviously, thebooks.com. And then I'm semi-active, not great, but semi-active on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. But uh, thebooks.com. And I have my email on the website. I always leave it open in case customers or anybody wants to contact me. Another concept from Amazon. It's Alejandro at thebooks.com. Just having the CEO's email readily available for consumers to leave their views. We'll also link to uh, the books in the show comments here. Thanks again for coming on board. And it's been great having you. Likewise, Tyler. Thanks a lot.